everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Actually, it's without Nikki Nellis. Nikki's up in New York doing something, I'm not quite sure. So I'm taking over, which is very exciting. I may not let her back in. Uh, before we get going, I just want to thank um, our new sponsors, uh, ProFish, uh, the Point out at Buzzard Point, a great restaurant. Tony and Joe's down at the Georgetown Harbor, Nick's Riverside Grill, and the Ivy City Smokehouse. Thank you for sponsoring. If you're not a sponsor, what's wrong with you? Call me, call me, call me. All right, so we got a great show today. Uh, first, we're going to be joined by Stephanie Coppola, who's with the Bethesda Urban, Market, uh, Urban Partnership. Uh, there's big news for those of us who live in and around Bethesda because there's another Bethesda Restaurant Week starting this Thursday, the 16th. Um, and there are dozens and dozens of restaurants that have signed on. So if you've heard about restaurants like Chico or if you've heard about the World of Beer, the World of Beer, that's a restaurant that <laughs> I'm there. Anyways, you're going to hear all about that. Um, our drink segment is very special to me. Uh, Nick and I were in Sardinia last summer. Uh, we're going back again this year. Uh, while we were there, uh, we, were, we had friends who sent us, actually our friend Gary Diamond, Sent us in the direction of Yankara, Vini Yankara. Yankara. Did I do it right this time? I did. And um, <laughs> where we met the winemaker Renato Spanu. I'm saying that right, yeah? Okay, good. And um, uh, had an amazing time with him. It's a beautiful location way up in the, in the mountains north of uh, Obia. Um, and uh, so we've, we've got Renato on, on the tube here uh, online. And Gary Diamond, who's with the uh, with Empson, the um, the importer and distributor, uh, with us, and we're going to be tasting his wines, uh, Renato's wines, all through the show. Um, another friend of ours. If you check a dictionary under the phrase "successful woman entrepreneur," you might see a picture of Hollis Wells Silverman. Um, uh, Hollis has a great background in restaurants. But she introduced three new concepts on Capitol Hill, which are all under one big roof. Uh, you probably heard about them. The Duck and the Peach, La Colina, and the Wells, which is a great bar. Um, they're all hugely successful, and that shouldn't be a surprise because she helped make Jose Andres successful and a lot of other folks too. So we're going to be hearing from her. Um, food and Hospitality Business Counselor, Chef Carolina Gomez, joins us uh, with information about a, a, a really important web portal uh, put together by the District of Columbia Small Business Development Center and the Aspen Institute. I hope I got it right. But its purpose is to help small uh, food entrepreneurs plan, launch, and grow successful small businesses. But we're really talking about minority folks who have less avenues and less opportunity to get this kind of information, this kind of help. Um, we were talking before, you'll, 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 you'll hear more, but uh, this is really for people who need a well-rounded business education so they can go into the business. And... Uh, how delicious is the Olivia macaron? You guys say macaroon. It's macaron, right? Yeah. It's very delicious. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that anybody that's ever strolled through Georgetown Park knows that. Uh, uh, Ana Claudia Lopez is the innovator and business entrepreneur. We got a lot of women business entrepreneurs on the show today. I'm surrounded. But anyways, Ana Claudia Lopez is in with us. She's going to share her story and some macarons. All right? But first, I want to talk to Stephanie Coppola. Are you there, Steph? 
I am here. Hi, Thank you, you are for there. Uh, we're glad to have you. So, um, Saber Bethesda is, is the upcoming restaurant week starting on the 16th. Give us the 411. Yeah. So, we started this back in 2020 as a way to help restaurants, um, you know, during COVID. And it's been popular and the restaurants love it and the people love it. So, it's back. Um, we're super excited. We've got over 35 restaurants participating. Um, what we love about doing this in Bethesda is we have new restaurants. We have a lot of independently owned restaurants not everybody knows about. So we think it's a great way to get people to try a new spot, go to an old favorite and just eat their way through Bethesda for 10 days. Well, let's start off with the, you know, basically the tail end of this. Where would people go to get information about all the restaurants and who's participating? Yep. You can go to our website, which is Bethesda.org and all the restaurants are listed and there are links to their menus. So you can decide ahead of time exactly where you want to eat. Um, and the other thing that we love about this restaurant week is it's at all price points. We do a $10, $20, and $35 price point. So there's local bakeries who are participating, local coffee shops. You know, it's not just an expensive dinner. Um, it's a great way to just get a special treat, too. Well, you've got, I mean, you've got a great lineup there with more coming, too, right? Salt yes, line? we will still take folks if they would like to join us. All right. Uh, uh, let's just say, give them the website again. It's Bethesda.org and it yes, starts on the 16th. You just click on Savor Bethesda. And like I said, there's over 35 restaurants listed. You can see their menus. You can see their deals. Um, lots of great stuff. Lots of new folks. As you know, in Bethesda, we've got Asian food, Italian food, new plant-based restaurants, Mexican, other Latin restaurants. It's just a really good selection of places to eat. All right. Great. All right. Well, as a Bethesdan, I will be there. Great. Right. We look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Stephanie. All Thank right. You. So I gave you a little taste of, uh, uh, we're going to get a taste of, of Renato's wines, but the, the way I met Renato was great. I mean, we were we were staying at a beautiful uh, mountaintop resort, really, Petra Segreta in, uh, in northern Sardinia, and our friend Gary Diamond uh, arranged for us to go up and meet Renato, and... Um, we got in the car and we drove and we drove and we said, where the hell are we? And we, we happened to pass this, we were passing through this little town and I thought, I thought we were lost. And I stopped to ask a guy where we could find Renato and his, you know, his, his facility. And it was Renato. So there it was. <laughs> and he was a great host. Uh, we had a, we had a, a terrific wine tasting. So Renato, let's start from the start. Let's give your, your story, your background and and um, we'll talk about the wines as well. Okay, well, uh, how far back do you want to go? Well, you were born. I know <laughs> that. Let's start there and move forward. So basically, I was uh, I'm from Sardinia, Italy. Um, uh, however, my mother is American, so I'm I'm a what would they like to call a half and half, half American, half Sardinian. Um, I spent a lot of years in. Um, in the States, working in the wine business, uh, along with Gary, who is your guest today in the, in the office uh, for Neil Emson Selections, which is probably the most prestigious exporter of Italian wines in the world. And then I always wanted to go back home to Sardinia, because it's where I grew up. And I always wanted to continue in the, uh, in the wine business, because we had also vineyards in my family when I, was, when I was younger. But unfortunately, my grandfather sold when I was 14. So basically, I, I one day got my wife drunk, took her on vacation, and convinced her. We've to all go done back that, by the way. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> sorry. I had to interject. We've all done that. All right, 
Yeah, so you got Angela <laughs> drunk and? And convinced her to go back home and start a winery. And that's what we did. Uh, in 2006, we purchased the land. Uh, we planted the vineyards in 2008, me and her sitting on the back of a tractor. Uh, and uh, our first vintage was 2010. And you grow? And here we are. You grow Vermentino and Cannonau grapes, is that correct? Yeah, the winery started uh, solely producing Vermentino. We were, we were born as a Vermentino producer. Uh, we started with four hectares, which is about uh, 11 acres, more or less, uh, of Vermentino. Then we increased it to 13. And now we are at about uh, 20 acres, more or less, of Vermentino, give or take. Um, and later on, we added uh, our reds to the mix. Uh, we started with a, a very limited red wine from the highlands of, of Galura, near our, right outside of our town, which is called Luniedo. Uh, we only make about 2,000 bottles a year of that. And then in 2018, we took over an estate in what's considered to be the, the Grand Cru of Canonao in Sardinia, which is Mamoyada, very, very high up in the mountains. We're talking almost 800 meters above sea level. So our, our first vintages of Canonao were 2018, basically. That is the, it's my new favorite, as you know. So talk a little bit about La Terra. I don't want to say terrar because that's French, and we're talking Italian, baby. But, I mean, talk that's about a- the land, because I think, um, um, listen, uh, you, you know, the show's called Foodie and the Beast for a reason, because I don't know anything. But I do know that what lies under your vineyards is the sort of the crucial ingredient to making these great wines. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, well, let's start by saying that we got very lucky to have the two grand crews of Sardinia, the vein of San Leonardo for our Vermentino and Mamoyada for our Canonao. And uh, the, the, the soil composition is similar in both. It's basically granite. So we have uh, crushed granite soils which gives great minerality to our wines. And then along with this crushed granite comes uh, a microclimate, which is just spectacular. So in San Leonardo, which is where our Vermentino vineyards are, in the heart of Galura, the northeastern part of Sardinia, uh, we have this microclimate that is, um, is conditioned between the lake Lisha and the mountain Limbara. So we have the lake to the north and the mountain Limbara to our south. Uh, in between the lake and the mountain, there's just this great fluctuation of, of temperatures. We get uh, very warm days and very cold nights, and it's constantly windy. So the vineyard is kept clean of any pests, of any, um, any diseases of, of any nature. I mean, to give you an idea, we only have to intervene in the vineyard with treatments two to three times a year. I mean, if you go to Tuscany or, or Piedmont sure. or France, they're doing 15 to 20 treatments a year. We do too. I mean, it doesn't get healthier than that. And that's that's because we are just lucky to have this great microclimate, which is perfect for Vermentino. Well, uh, I, I'm going to add, Gary, what are we trying first? The Vermentino? Yes. Why don't you pour that and pass that around? Renato, okay. we're going to come back to you in a second. Um, okay. But, um, I'm sitting here waiting for the cannon now, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki's a Vermentino girl. But this is so, God, it's beautiful that. Uh, okay, Hollis, Hollis Wells Silverman. Three names, three restaurants, right? Is that how it is? So, I, I mean, you you are a home run. You're a huge success. 
up there. And frankly, you know, Nikki and I were just at your place. I can't call it one place because we did the Duck and Peach, we did the Wells, we did, we did La Colina. Where'd you come up with this idea? Let's. I'll, we'll get to your background in a second, but wh- why three restaurant concepts or three concepts? Sure. Uh, well, based on my experience, in order to create a successful business, you need volume. But understanding what guests really enjoy, you need to create a nice, unique, small space. So especially in a neighborhood setting, people are not looking for a huge Zaytinia 200-seat type situation or something you know that's really huge. You're not down at the wharf. So I knew that you needed a nice, small 60-seat intimate setting. And I also live in the area, so I knew, had an idea of what I thought the neighborhood needed being there. When I recently moved, when I was new to D.C., no family, got a dog, then got kids, stroller, no stroller, the whole thing. I prefer dogs to kids, having had both. I don't know. It depends. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to create, um, but I also knew that there was an opportunity for a lot of events being very close to um, the hill as well. So knew that I needed a bunch of spaces that could fit that. So really, the three spaces is... For, for the guest perspective, again, it's two restaurants and a bar, uh, but I've done things on the business side to create more optimization. Did people tell you you were completely insane? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I am. I mean, it is insane to open a restaurant, especially well, at, with the pandemic and all of that. Yeah, this was all planned before the pandemic. <laughs> I definitely would have uh, <laughs> chosen something a little different knowing that this opening, quote unquote, would have lasted about two and a half years. All right. We're going to have to take a quick break, sure. uh, but I want to come back and talk about the, the madness that drove this whole, you know, line of thinking. Uh, this is David Nellis. Nikki Nellis is not with us today. She's up in New York having fun, but we're Foodie and the Beast and we'll be right back. So last time Nick and I were in Georgetown, we just wanted to get some food and chill out a little. And we went to Tony and Joe's Seafood Place on the Georgetown waterfront uh, and I, we had a great meal. I, we had oysters. I don't remember what else we had. Well, the most fantastic thing about Tony and Joe's is, honestly, its location. It is right there on the water. You're looking at the Kennedy Center, and you're looking at the water, and there's all those boats going by, so you have great people watching. And that's whether you're dining outdoors on their amazing patio or dining indoors with their floor-to-ceiling windows. Um, of course, they have amazing seafood, like the oysters, usually local, um, but great lobster, great fish. And, uh, they have great steaks there, too. Yes, and they have steaks, too. It's just a great place to go for great drinks and great food with a view. I love their line. They say, come for the food, stay for the view, and that's what you should do. Tony and Joe's. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast, uh, talking to Hollis Wells Silverman, who is the proprietor of not one but three Dining, entertainment, hospitality concepts under one roof. Yeah. Yes. Wild. So let's let's kind of break it down. Uh, well, for, actually, I should go back. Let's talk about your background because um, everybody knows who Jose Andreas is. Um, they don't know all the people who are behind him who helped make him who he is. So talk about your 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 experience there and, and others that that prepped you for being able to handle the business side of what you're doing. Sure, I. Let's see. Growing up, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Found out you could go to school for restaurant management, which I thought was incredible. So I went to school for restaurant management. And when I graduated, I was fortunate enough to work uh, in San Francisco with some amazing chefs, Tracy Desjardins, Douglas Keene, really teaching me about ingredients, loved wine, loved restaurants, found my way to Washington, D.C. with my husband and joined Jose Andres and his team. That sounds so 
easy and fast. Well, it's we only have a certain amount of time, so <laughs> I gotta keep it short and sweet so everyone has time. All right, and so so you, I mean, tell us about that because that's when Jose was really breaking out. We when I joined Jose, there were five restaurants, right. and they had just moved OML from Crystal City that was getting reopened. Cafe Atlantico mini bar was still there. And then when I left, there were 16 restaurants. And I was fortunate enough to open the first bazaar in L.A. in 2008, which was memorable. And, and now there's one at the Waldorf Astoria. That, now that there's one at the Waldorf. Soft opening this, here. I know, I know. It's really fun to see because there there's a couple of members uh, that worked at the Bazaar in L.A. that I saw, um, like Chef Holly Jivin, she's there. So there's some really amazing people that uh, are still on the team. We're always a team, but that are still with uh, Jose. All right, so I'm going to take you to another part of it. Uh, we'll talk about the restaurant, you know, themselves and, you know, what you offer there. But you have a very... Um, bold really focus on women women chefs women owned wineries women 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 across the board i wasn't aware of that when we we were there until i you know i read up on the on the wine list um what drives that women are amazing and we should rule the world i know i'm married to one yes uh well i had an idea when i was going to open a restaurant i wanted to do it in the way i wanted to do it and the way that i think that things should be run so i think that uh, empowering women and having them on the team and, and creating a very open space for everybody, not just women, but everybody, was really important to me. And we were able to pull a great team together that helped create not only an amazing food menu, but we have a wine list, uh, which is put together. I had some great people, uh, Donya Deegan, really help uh, along with Cat Petnito, along with Rochelle, uh, gosh, Felicia, we have just a great team of people that are helping us really strive towards creating just an all-women wine list. So we finally got all the bottles and everything also, but first started with Wines by the Glass, and now we have all, all of the wine lists. It's a really impressive list. So, all right, so now let's talk about the individual spots. Sure. The duck and the peach. Yes. Uh, it's seasonal American food. It's new American because America is a little bit of everything. So if we want to use... God bless America. Yeah. If we want to use ingredients from Morocco, if we want to use something from Mexico, what, whatever it may be, we can really be very open. And we try to keep it very simple and honor really great ingredients. We work with some great farmers, some great purveyors, so that we can put a nice dish well, in Well, question about that, because, you know, that's... You know, finding your local purveyors is a big thing uh, now. But do I mean do you do you and did you go out to the farms and spend the day with the farmers and talk to the cows and all of that? Uh, I haven't talked to the cows. I prefer sheep, buffalo, and goat a little bit more than cow. But I have gone out to uh, Karma Farms. They were really nice and invited us and a whole bunch of other chefs uh, and people out to their farms, and we've been able to see what they've been able to produce and how they work and how they live. And it's been really wonderful. So we use a lot of their ingredients and we work with a lot of other um, local places and just try to help keep a sustainable environment for so everyone. Quickly run down the, just some of the menu highlights at Duck and the Peach. Sure. So we have our Pekin Duck, which takes three days. Mm -hmm. uh, they do a dry rub and it sits and it's delicious. It's one of our rotisserie items. We have a whole rotisserie section. We do a chef's dinner party menu, which is similar to a tasting menu, but not as stuffy. So you get to choose one of the rotisseries, so rotisserie Dorade. 
which is a, dun- a whole fish. And then we have some mandarin quats on top with a little vinaigrette. We have our... I'm salivating. <laughs> uh, we have our uh, roasted chicken or our roasted duck. And then we do some great uh, dishes from what we call the garden or the land or the sea to surround it as well. So we have a wonderful compachi crudo with a little harissa oil. We also- Which was spectacular. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. The team works really, really hard. Uh, and then we also have like our grilled carrots. We have a panzanella salad, which I love with duck fat croutons. Uh, taking a little old from uh, Zuni Cafe, which is a very classic restaurant in San Francisco. And they were known for the roasted chicken and panzanella salad. So I always like to look towards the people that have done really great things and figure out how to honor them. Uh, and also know that people just love chicken no, and I, a salad. I laughed when you said that. Nikki and I were at the Zuni Cafe a couple of years ago, and these two guys were working a, a you know, a digital, you know, deal next to us, <laughs> you know, because that's where it is. That's what it is. And uh, I just, I've always wondered if they went broke or, you know, because oh, I got, <laughs> I'll give you eight million, I'll give you two hundred million. It was one of those conversations. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so La Colina. Mm-hmm. Is Italian. You describe it as Italian-ish. It, Correct. It happened to be plenty Italian as far as I was concerned. It was delicious. So take us through that and why an Italian concept? Well, La Colina means the hill in Italian. So Does that's... it, Renato? He says yes. Great. He says <laughs> My research correct. worked. Uh, <laughs> it's Italian-ish because I'm not Italian. Chef Cat is part Italian, so that helped. But what we do is we have really simple all fresh handmade pastas. We have an extruder that we use also. And we wanted to create some place that was casual, some place that you could feel you could go to a couple nights a week and also that was very family friendly. And people could come have a really nice meal, but also if your kids happen to make a mess with a little marinara sauce, it's not a big deal. Okay, well, that would be me too. I think I have some on this sweater actually from La Colina. Uh, and, and the Wells. Uh, a gin and tonic is a great way to start or in your night. So having well, a gin I mean, bar. It's really, I mean, we, we did a, it was like a food safari. We, I think we started, I, no, we wrapped up at the wells. Well, we started, ideally we don't want people, we, we create them so that people come on an individual basis. Right, so we, ideally some people can come to the wells, they might have a cocktail, um, but from the guest perspective, we try to keep it as three separate Let's not places. kid ourselves. We were with Nikki, so, you know, <laughs> we went everywhere. But. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, let's uh, we've got to wrap up. We please make sure everybody knows where to find you online and in real life and how to make a reservation and all that. Sure. Please uh, follow us on Instagram. Our websites are current and up to date. Duck and Peach DC, La Colina DC and the Wells DC. And join us. We are open Tuesday through Saturday. We will always come back. All right. Thanks. So, Renato, back to you and and your silent partner here, Gary. Uh, this Vermentino is delicious. I don't know. Do I have universal agreement on that? Yes. Everybody here schlonkered already, and yeah, they love it. All right. So who is Johnny Minotti? Johnny Minotti sounds like your uh, your secret weapon. Oh, he is definitely a secret weapon. He's, uh, he's our consulting winemaker, and uh, he's one of the uh, gods of winemaking in Italy. Uh, we've been friends for 25 years, uh, and... I was always in love with uh, the wines that he produced. So when we started the winery, he was the first name that came to my mind. So I called him. I said, Johnny, this is, uh, this is what I'm doing. He says, do you want in? And the next day he was on a plane and in Sardinia, basically. Now, where is he based? So He's from Coglio. Coglio in Friuli, Venezia, Giulia, northeastern Italy. Uh, the land of white wine, basically. Right. Um, 
He's, uh, he, he made famous uh, one particular winery, which I thought at the time was making the best white wines in all of Italy, which was uh, Villa Rusitz uh, in Coglio. He's no longer there anymore. Uh, he left in 2011, thank God, because that's when he came to us. So, <laughs> so is he now <laughs> in Sardinia or does he fly in? Oh, he flies in. He flies in. Flies in uh, every chance he gets. He's here. Loves it. I want to live in Italy. Oh, God, it's killing me. All right, so, Gary, <laughs> what are we tasting next? Next will be the Cannonale, correct? Oh, God, Renato? thank you. Thank yes, you, Lord. Sir. All right, I'm ready. I need, yes, I need you, to tell us a little bit about it. All right, so so the Cannonale comes from our estate in Mamoyada, which, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is the uh, is the Grand Cru for this grape. Now. Tell everybody what so a Grand Cru that, is, because I, I, you know, for those, we have all sorts of folks listening to this show. They may not know what that means. Okay, so simple. Uh, a crew is a specific area that produces quality wine. So the French really made it famous with their with their great vineyards. So this hillside, which is a crew, would make phenomenal wine every year, year after year after year. So at some point it became a grand crew, the best of the best, because that hillside is special, basically. And so a grand crew is basically uh, an area, a hillside, a mountain, something of that nature, which year after year is just superior to the other areas, for so the most part. Who 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 declares it a crew or a grand crew? Well, people drinking the wines. They all go. At some point, uh, that, there's a year. grand crew. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I, Absolutely. By universal acclaim. All right. Well, we're going to taste this. Um, and while we do, Carolina, you're up to the plate. Chef Carolina right. Gomez uh, joins us. Carolina, uh, I, 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 have, I was looking for, you're a chef, but you're really a consultant to, to small businesses that are not necessarily well-funded. Um, and folks who want to go into business and not necessarily well-versed in all the facets of, of going into business that they need to succeed, correct? Um, I am a chef primarily. Um, every restaurant does need an executive chef. Sure. And many restaurants can't afford one. So I am a consultant because through my chefing, um, I found out that my, my passion was to help small businesses. And most of those small businesses can't afford a chef on staff. Mm. So that's what I do. I basically take the rebound, help them. So you're like a gunslinger. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a culinary ninja, like just kind of going in culinary there. Culinary ninja. <laughs> Trying to help people. I'm glad you didn't bring your knives with you. Um, <laughs> but you were also involved with the District of Columbia Small Business Development Center and the Aspen Institute's efforts to bring how-to business knowledge to folks who – you know, minority folks, folks who are, may have come from disadvantaged backgrounds, who have all the the skills and instincts, maybe in one facet, great cooks, but they don't know how to get into and run a business, and they have trouble getting the funding for business. Correct? Yeah, hundred percent. I um I started doing what I do about six years ago, um, and then when Aspen reached out to the DC Small Business Development Center, it was just a really great fit because their mission was to help. Um, underserved communities and to try to give uh, resources to people who really didn't have that business know-how that they needed to be able to survive. But then they found out that I was already involved with all of these different incubators. And you became the connection. And I became the, 
Yeah. All right. We're going to hold for a second. We've got to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. This is David Nellis minus Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in a second. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast. Uh, Carolina, let's keep going because this web portal that was built, Open Access DC, is the online um, version. Basically, it sounds like an online school uh, for folks who need the information that they don't necessarily have or can't get easily from maybe the SBA or somewhere else. Yeah, well, prior to Open Access DC, all that um, aspiring business owners or restaurant business owners had was a checklist from the DCRA that was really just sent them on a wild goose chase for figuring out what they needed. So, Like everything else in the district government. <laughs> so Open Access DC was great because we were able to consolidate you know, checklists for what do you need if it's a restaurant, a food truck, a product, or a catering company. And then they can find the full list of what they need. And then they can find templates for their business plans. They can find workshops, uh, technical assistance programs, funding, all of that in one portal. Well, how did the Aspen Institute and, and D.C. Small Business Development Center marry up to do this in the first place? Did, was it developed with your help or was it developed and then you found out about it and they brought you in to help essentially drive traffic to it? Well, it was developed by them, and I had a lot of, they had me put a lot of input, so they had me very involved along the way, uh, just to make sure that the information that was necessary was on the portal. And we still, um, just because DC is always changing and constantly evolving, um, I use basically the restaurants or the businesses that are going to open to tell me, and they give me feedback of, okay, it could be better this way, or we tweak it well, along the way. you run the site, is that correct? Um, I provide I mean, the updates. They they do the yeah. Because updates. the other thing about websites is that people stick them up there and they're static and it's like no. You know, this like, is definitely it's not 2015 anymore. You know. Yeah. No, we're always updating it. Uh, we launched it in October, and I basically I did webinars and classes, kind of revolving around the resource of Open Access DC to get people really accustomed to it. And now we're at the phase to where people are using it, they love it, and then they give me sometimes some feedback. Oh, I found out about this grant, or oh, I, I would have liked to see more tips training, or how do I get my alcohol license, or all those things. Um, they, they basically give me feedback, and we try how to How do you spread it. the word? How do you tell people that it exists and drive traffic to it so they can benefit from it? Um, through all of the business incubators. We have, um, I work with, you know, seven um, food business incubators that are all publicly funded, um, and primarily the Carlos Rosario Public Charter School and the DCSBDC and the DSLBD. So all of these different organizations have people that reach out to them asking for help, and then I'm constantly doing webinars and workshops to try to make them aware of it. That's great. All right, uh, can you make sure that everybody knows how to find the website? Yes, um, you would just have to go to the DC SBDC website, um, and we are in the Howard University portal. So when you go on dcsbdc.org, they do have a little section that says Howard University, and that's the one you would have to click on. The easiest way to find it is just to follow me on Instagram <laughs> or follow my website, right. and then I'll lead you. So Tell my Instagram is chef underscore Carolina Gomez. And the website, my website is foodbizmentor.com. Great. All right. Thanks so much. Oh, thank terrific. you. Um, back to Renato and Gary. Uh, Renato, the Cannonau grape, and we're, this Cannonau is delicious. 
Delish. Um, it's you, not a grape that's well known, um, uh, really. I think maybe even outside of Italy. Um, uh, what makes it special, and where did it come from? Well, uh, first of all, it's the father of Grenache. So if anyone's ever had a Grenache, uh, they're basically drinking Canronau from a different country. Um, Canronau is a native Sardinian variety. Uh, and it's uh, basically it's been, been, it's been made in Sardinia for 4,000 years. They literally found fossilized Canronau seeds in an ancient Phoenician wine press that was 4,000 years old. Seriously, on the that's island. fascinating. Yeah. So that predates Grenache anywhere else in the world. So the thought is, is that Grenache, or Canonau, is a native Sardinian variety. And then the ancient Phoenicians took it to the other basins of the Mediterranean, the south of France or the coast of Spain, where in Spain they call it Garnacha, and in the south of France they call it Grenache. You know, this basically. is so funny. This sounds like the, 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 the Georgians and the Macedonians arguing about who invented wine in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give it to you because I like you better. So that's great. So Turns out it was a Sardinian. <laughs> in your, in, to your mind and to your your palate, what makes this wine that we're drinking the best? So the, we go back to where it's from, from Mamoyada. So the reason I wanted a vineyard in this area was one specific reason, altitude. So this vineyard is almost 800 meters above the sea. So we're talking 2,400 feet above sea level here. So one of the highest elevation vineyards of not just Sardinia, but all of Italy. And with the way the climate is changing and everything is happening in the world, altitude has become extremely important because it gives you that fluctuation of temperatures that is extremely important to make great wines. Cold nights, warm days and lengthens the growing time of the grapes on the vine, which concentrates all of the aromas, the intensity, everything in the grape, and just makes it better. Well, that sounds like a, a good so, recipe for wine, but not for marriage. I'd rather have warm nights and cold days. If you don't. <laughs> uh, hey, but if it's cold nights, you get to snuggle uh, up. That's true. Warm. That's true. Um, all right, so <laughs> we're going to keep sipping. Um, Gary, what's the next uh, wine you're going to pour? That's 7.55, Renato. 755, that's the one. The 18. That's our flagship. And it yeah. is a Canon so, out? Yes. It's a blend. It's a blend. It's a blend. It's a, so tell us about it real quick. It's from our, from our same vineyard in Mamoyada, but this, instead of being 100% Canonau, is a blend of about 40% Canonau. And then there is Cabernet Sauvignon, Syrah, Alicante, and Carignan with which we are all working with about half a kilo of grapes per vine. This was born to be big, big, wow. bold, age forever. I'm and ready. It's, uh, it, it's a big boy. Let's put it that way. I am ready. All and right. we, call it, we call it the 755 because that's the altitude of the vineyard, 755 meters above sea level. Smart. Above the clouds. And Renata, you mentioned the yep. yield per vine. Yeah, our yield per vine is quite low across the board because being a small winery, I mean, we're a winery that makes about 55,000 bottles a year. So for us, there's no point in competing with the big boys trying to do a price battle and make cheap wine that, you know, was your $5 bottles, basically. Our only 
way of competing is to try to make better wine. All right. And, and on that note, I'm going to st stop because we got to move on, unfortunately. We'll come back to you. Um, and okay. we're going to taste this wine. I want to introduce my other new best friend here. Um, if you've been to Georgetown Park and you've stopped at a Olivia Macaron, you already know how good those little, can I call them cookies? What are they? Yeah, they are cookies. Okay. French Macaron cookies. And the genius behind that company uh, is Ana Claudia Lopez, and she's here to tell us the whole story. First of all, Macaron versus Macaroon. You can say it either way, right? That, yeah, that is a you won't get great question. Me. No, I, I won't. I will not get mad. For I being like a to call yank. the macaroons. Like it, I call them macaroons all the time. Okay. But the right way to say it, uh, it should be macaron. Oh, yes. so I was I was half right, which is yeah. good. So why don't you take us through the first of all, what is it a macaron? So uh, macaron, it's a meringue-based cookie made out of almond flour, egg whites, and sugar, uh, which we can add different colors uh, depending on the flavor. And inside, they're filled with uh, uh, with a ganache a buttercream or a preserve, depending on the flavor. So you put these cookies uh, together, you like a little sandwich, you let them rest overnight, and the next day you have a beautiful uh, French macaron. How hard is it to make them? They are very hard to make. They are like, every, a lot of things can go wrong. Like sometimes if it's too humid outside, a whole batch will be ruined. It's uh, They're very temperamental. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so give us the background on Olivia Macaron and how you decided to go retail and all that. So, uh, well, originally I, I was in finance before. Um, and then uh, when I had my daughter, Olivia, I decided to take a sabbatical. So during that time period, I, I said, you know, uh, I would love to open my own business. And uh, the idea of starting a macaroon shop came about because I was looking for a good macaron in DC and I couldn't find any. Um, mm. <laughs> well, I, I do think being the, you know, foodie and the beast that really means foodie and the glutton, that those things should be up here on the counter. We should all try yes, them. Yes, we, we should. Talk about them. So I brought well, can some... somebody grab those? Thanks. <laughs> were you just making them at home for fun, or were you already online selling them and delivering them that way? So, no, like, uh, they, they were being, uh, like, uh, sold, like, in small batches, uh, like, here and there, depending on small orders. But, uh, you know, again, the, this opportunity to open up uh, my business, and, you know, I felt... I want to be a, a business owner. I want to be able to have a flexible schedule. So if uh, if I need to work from home with and stay with my kids, I can I can do that. Uh, at that time, I didn't know that there was going to be so much work to open yeah. a small business. <laughs> then I felt like, oh, my God. You should have gone to have a nine to five with Carolina and yes. you would have found out. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, when we just opened, I was working uh, seven days a week. Uh, yeah, I had yeah. just had my se my second baby. So, so was I was bringing stra strapped to your back and I like yeah no to the front and yeah. actually like the poor baby like he was in the office it was uh, the office slash uh, maternity room so yeah. so yeah that's but, like, really uh, funny I, I have I have a memory of, of Nikki we have, we have two kids but Eli was the first Eli strapped to Nikki's front while she's sitting reaching around him to a typewriter it was. You all did the same thing. And I got to say, you're an excellent schmoozer because the macarons <laughs> that we're all eating and I'm about to bite into came with the Foodie and the Beast logo on there. That's right. We went to show that we can print on the macarons. We can have uh, your logo on it. Oh, we can put good. your face on it. It's awesome. That is yeah. really good. Oh, thank Let's you. Let's see how it is with a can of now. <laughs> it should pair beautifully because you're tasting the champagne macaron. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Sorry, Renato. You're too far away. 
shove it through the computer maybe. But um, Okay, you want to take a break, right? Let's do that now. We've got to take a little break. We'll be right back talking more of uh, Olivia Macaron. All right, we are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Ana Claudia Lopez about her store and her macaroons. Uh, the store is Olivia Macaroon, uh, Macaron. Sorry. Paolo Italiano. Francese, <laughs> no. Um, in Georgetown Park. Um, so I guess what I want, the, the French have their own way of doing this, right? And this yeah. mirrors what the French do. Are there other versions of the macaron that are, you know, from other countries that, oh. are, that you consider to be like pirates? That is a, uh, that is a, a question that we don't like to uh, talk about. It's kind of like trying to figure out who came up with the hummus. It's the, <laughs> the same. <laughs> there's a big debate going on between the Italians and the French. So there's two different ways of preparing the cookies. There's like the Italian method and the French I always uh, come method. down on the Italian side, by the way. <laughs> so actually our shells are made with the Italian uh, method. So, yes. Uh, but we also, we have our classic French flavors, but we love bringing in international flavors, like uh, also inspired by by our community or by my background as well. We have, for example, churros, and we have uh, Mexican chocolate. We love really? bringing um, in. What yeah. are all the flavors? What's the, the range? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we have over 40 flavors. Uh, we have, uh, take over the show. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to start listening. Let me see if I can remember all of them. No. But uh, we do have a lot, like, we have our classic flavors that we have all year round, and then we bring in some really fun flavors depending on the season. Uh, this month, we're featuring our Valentine's uh, box that's going to have some great flavors made by our chef, uh, Mark uh, Gersay, that uh, are phenomenal. Now he, so, was, he was the, the executive chef at the French Embassy, right? That is correct, yes. We are so lucky to have him with us, and he has been incredible um, working on new flavors. He also came up with this amazing vegan macaron line, which uh, has been demanded by <laughs> by customers that we have vegan macarons, and now we do have them. And we're featuring three vegan flavors right now, but every month we're going to be introducing more. Well, I'll tell you just from my, you know, the glutton's perspective, because N- Nikki brought some home, and I shoved them all in my mouth. And what? <laughs> <laughs> Normally I don't like, I, I don't like macarons because there's such a heavy almond you know, presence. Yours are so light and so good. I'm not, you know, she didn't send me a check, folks. I'm just saying, <laughs> they're really so perfectly balanced that. Oh, here comes another one. Here comes more. What's yes. This this, oh, this is oh. for Valentine's. Ooh, yes, that is, is one this? of our Valentine's flavors. So that's a raspberry rose lychee flavor. Uh, oh my God, it's that's phenomenal, great. isn't it? Like I was so excited. It's gonna be a perfect Valentine's box. Uh, we also have our uh, strawberry cheesecake. This we is have champagne and chocolate truffle in and, that beautiful box. And they're all carb-free and low-cal, right? Exactly, yes. <laughs> no, but what I love about French macarons, it's, it's, it's a portion of it. You get such, like a lot of flavor in such a small bite, and it's so satisfying. So there's portion control in, in these, <laughs> like after eating five, right? But... Uh, I love that. Uh, we also, they're all gluten-free. Um, so, again, like, we, we are trying to find a way to get the, you know, everyone involved in enjoying these cookies. So, if you're gluten-free, if you have celiac, you can enjoy these. Uh, if you're vegan, you can enjoy these, too. So, you can get these sorts that you couldn't get before here. All right. Tell everybody where your store is and how to find you online so they can order. Perfect. So, yes, we have uh, two locations. 
we have our store in the Georgetown Park Mall um, in Georgetown next to the uh, old Dean and DeLuca location. Uh, and we also have a kiosk at Tyson's Corner Center. And you can always order online at oliviamacaron.com. And are we in time for Valentine's Day still? You are. <laughs> that For shipping, unfortunately, it's too late. But we will have all these boxes and flavors available at our locations. So you can order online uh, and schedule a pickup. Uh, come get your uh, your macarons early, um, and uh, they'll be perfect for Valentine's and Day. And Georgetown Park has underground parking, so it's so easy. Yes. A paid commercial announcement. Unpaid. Commercial. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much. Thank Go to you. Olivia Macaron. I'm telling you, I love them. They're, this, is, this last one was great. What's it called? <laughs> so that one that you tried, it was the lychee rose. Get raspberry. that one. Boys yes. and girls. All right, we're going back to Gary Diamond and uh, Renato. Gary, tell us a little bit about the business side. Well, there's all there's always some confusion when uh, you guys, just, the general public doesn't understand the tiers our industry. So when you say we're a distributor. Well, I'm sure Renato's cried many tears. <laughs> so Emson USA <laughs> is the supplier is what the terminology is. So we are the importer. But then on the other hand, we also represent wineries in Oregon, California, New Zealand, Chile, uh, so on and so forth. So we select the wines. We bring them to our distributors. We represent uh, distributors in every state in the country. And so that's the kind of the tier system. So we sell it to distributors. Distributors sells it to the restaurants and the stores. So we have been doing this for 50 years and have long-term relationships with multiple growers, um, as you heard, Renato used to work for us. I've only been with the company since 2007, as opposed to Renato, which I think he said 2002, something like that. 2001. 2001. How come he looks so young and you? Because he is younger. <laughs> uh, and I'm still working the street. He's living the gorgeous life in the uh, beautiful Sardinian countryside. Work, I don't think working the street means what you think it means, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised at some of the stuff that goes on with our buyers, but... Uh, so yeah, we and we put a, a lot of emphasis on the people that we do business with and the and the wines that's in the bottle. We're not a marketing company. We're all about what's in the bottle and what's on the plate. I, I can't forget that because food and wine is our lives, so to speak. Um, when he went into how his yields are so tiny, those are the kind of growers we represent. People that want to make really, really good wine in small quantities, and that's the key, so to speak. If you buy wine in the grocery store, you're not buying real good wine. Those are produced in oceanic quantities. Um, you know, long story short, I uh, went to Whole Foods with one of our growers once, and they had three ninety nine wines stacked out front oh at a Whole Foods. And the woman That's looked at me. That's called vinegar, isn't it? Well, she looked at me, and she goes, that can't be healthy. Yeah. And that, in a nutshell, yes, there's three ninety nine wine to get to you. She also remarked how her bottle empty was more expensive than that wine. So speaking of good wines, sure. where do we find – Renato's wines in the Washington area, restaurants and and uh, I as an ex retailer, I was a retailer for a long time. I grew up in the industry. I always say shop wherever you shop. Ask them to order it for you. I don't want to send you to a different retailer than where you're already spending money. But if your it's money. already there and we're instant gratification, it's that's not all over it. the place. His wines, uh, a COVID story, so to speak. Uh, COVID pretty much crushed our business with his wines because it was mainly on premise. Um, so we are now in the process of reworking it back into on-premise. Uh, if you want it, you can get it from Bassins MacArthur Liquors in D.C. 
Um, and I would always call ahead and say, hey. Is that the crew too also? Well, they can order whatever they don't have on their shelves when you call them, and it can okay. be there in one day. So it's, it's very easy. A lot of retailers will, unfortunately, try to sell you what they've already paid for and try to sell you something they have in their store. Just ask them to order it. They can quote you a price over the phone and get it there the next day. It's easy peasy. Um, so that's, that's what All I would right. recommend. Well, I am here to say that with the exception of one other wine that I love that I won't mention, this is my go-to. Oh, there's lots of good wine out the there. The minute this thing hit my lips, hit my tongue, and hit my throat, I was like, Mommy, I'm home. <laughs> I've come home. So, all right. So, all right. Well, thanks. Renato, God bless you, man. I will see you in six months, seven months, and uh, we're going to be there long enough. I will come up and help with the harvest. We always accept free labor. I know you do. I know, I know you do. You're no dope, that's for sure. Thanks very much for joining us. All right, and Gary, thank you. Thank you, Renato. All right, so that was a fun show, and I want to thank everybody. You guys are awesome, all of you, and you're all doing amazing things. Uh, before we go, I just want to remind everybody that there are – the world is full of refugees, and the, the crisis in Turkey just you know brings that up again. Uh, the Biden administration has a new program called the Welcome Corps, and it allows, allows private citizens to sponsor refugees from around the world uh, who are who are legally have legally been allowed to enter this country. And what it what's cool about it is that the sponsor groups have to raise a minimum of twenty two hundred and seventy five dollars, and that funds um, initial support for things like apartment security deposits, clothing and furniture, and that kind of thing. And um, uh, this is not to say that we're so great, but we're we're putting together a group of neighbors um, so that it's not you know it's not one company or uh, company one couple or one person that has to come up with the twenty two hundred bucks and then do all the all the the phoning and arranging. But we're going to have basically a team of neighbors that will put the money together, and then you know they're refugees. You think of Ukraine because that's on everybody's front page. But they're refugees from Somalia, and they're refugees from Afghanistan, and they're re- the world. Ninety-five percent of the world lives in misery. So this is a great program uh, that the Biden administration has put together. Go Joe, gotta love Joe. Um, and if you want to find out about it, it's called the Welcome Corps, C O R P S. Go online and look for it. And if you can help in any way, if you can't do that, go online and find some way to donate some money to help the folks in Turkey, the folks in Ukraine, the folks in. Somalia everywhere. I mean, the world is. <laughs> I have a, I have a negative view of what life is like in most of the world, but try and help. And the Welcome Corps is a great new program. Um, try and take advantage of it. And that's kind of the show. We're done. And I want to say thank you to everybody. I really this was a lot of fun for me because I wasn't interrupted or told I was wrong by my wife, which <laughs> usually happens. Um, and Renato, ci vediamo fra poco, baby. I'll see you soon. We'll be waiting for you. All right, man. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Nikki always signs off by reminding people that um, even though the uh, pandemic is lightening up, uh, service in in restaurants and around town is still tough. Be kind to everybody. Not everything is instant gratification. And she tells people to have a delicious week. So have a delicious week. (laughs) 